Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Hammond, and with me today, I have Brian Marceau and Alex Boatman. Boys, how good does it feel to be back? We see some football soon. Crossing my fingers. It was a shortish slash long off season for us, uh, but I feel I feel rested, almost tanned and ready to go. I was gonna say it definitely feel it's weird. Usually we start this right Thursday after Fourth of July. You're starting to feel like football. The the previews are coming out like Athlon, and um, I don't know something this year just feels it feels a little different in my opinion. It, it's. It doesn't have that same mystique. I don't. I don't know what it is. But we're back. We got our fingers crossed. Football gets to happen. We're gonna record all season as if it is. I mean, until it's not. I guess so. Um, but w- what's been going on? You guys, anything happened in the month and a half we've had off that's worth sharing? Just excited for some Vandal football to be back. I'm excited for Vandal football to be back. Um, I'm excited for any sports stuff to be back at at all. I mean, heck, I even watched a little bit of the basketball tournament uh, last weekend, having no idea who the guys were. By the way, uh, Idaho Vandal Trayvon Allen played a game in the tournament, scored 26. His team got killed, but he it wasn't because of him. Player of the game. That's awesome. Yeah. Then, uh, MLS is back. Tournament starts tomorrow. One team's already postponed and the other team's already sent home. So great start to that. They haven't even kicked off. They're calling it like I've seen some jokes calling that for like Firefest 2020 because like they're promised all this stuff and then they're getting like grilled cheese sandwiches and stuff for food. Yeah. And it's like the professional athletes and they're getting grilled cheese sandwich and they're not yeah. allowed to like leave their room or eat with anybody. It's. It's insane. Probably the most exciting thing for me the last month and a half has been the return of uh, Manchester United. Um, probably yeah. the best team in Europe right now. Yeah, you and I had a fun fun Premier League's back. My team versus your team and came out with a classic soccer draw. Yeah, well, <laughs> I have a lot, haven't drew since, but won every game by three goals. So Yeah, meanwhile, we've lost like every single game since. Hey, you guys so. beat Everton by one. That's yeah, cool. Good old Everton. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... It's a new season, but it comes to you by an old friend. We want to thank this partner, and we are so excited to have another year with Montucky. Montucky is going to be sponsoring us again for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, so from now until next summer, you'll be hearing us cracking tons of snacks. We've got some cool stuff queued up with them. It's going to be even bigger than last year. Uh, more tailgates, more Cool, but I don't even know what. But we're we're going to be working even a little bit closer with them this year. They're very excited to renew it. We're excited to renew it. Uh, so hopefully you guys are excited to renew it too. Uh, you know, just some stuff that doesn't come up in the ad read. Vandal co-founded. Uh, they're a Northwest company, if you consider Montana the Northwest. And it's just a cool beer. So, I mean, if you haven't tried it by now, I don't know what's going to change your mind. But, uh, I mean, they're supporting us. So hopefully if you haven't, 
and you still support us, you should give it a chance. But who feels good to do this? Got to shake off the rustle a little bit. But this episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw, that's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American log for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Thought that was exciting. We got Montucky back. It's the start of the college football season. Fingers crossed more sports are coming back soon. We got something that, I mean, most of you can't argue with if you took the survey. Something that basically everybody asked for. We're going to start this off with an interview with a very special guest. Um, Yeah, yeah, he's honestly the perfect person to help lead the charge in this 2020 season. You may know him best for his high steps against Eastern. Uh, his, His just absolute grittiness and toughness and ability to take a hit on the field. Number eight, Mason Petrino. Now, I know I, I really want to have him on because I'm as guilty as probably the rest of you uh, and sometimes forgetting that these guys are vandals and they're student athletes and what you say about them and especially us on this platform can get around to them. And uh, at this point, Mason, you know, dealt with all the crap we threw him. He's graduated. He's an alumnus of our beautiful University of Idaho. Uh, and we figured nobody – Way to like mend bridges, or at least say you know thanks for all your work, you know after the fact, um, and have him on to kind of share his opinion on 2020 because he knows more than we do about the silver and gold. So join us now. We'll see you guys in about 20 minutes as uh, we have a recorded interview with Mason Petrino. All right, coming to you live from his world famous flip phone, we have. 2018-2019 QB1, Mason Petrino. Mason, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. How are you? We are doing good. We're excited to have you on. Welcome you as, a, as an alumni like us. Now you get to spend all your time just uh, reminiscing on the good old college days and trying to find a way to uh, utilize all the non-school work you get to do now. A lot of people are going to be excited to hear from you. Obviously, you spent the last two years quarterbacking the team uh, in a famous time where we made a transition from the FBS to the FCS. So with that, we're just going to hop right on into it. Brian, you want to start us out? Yeah, Mason. So yeah, to begin, uh, take us down memory lane. Uh, we're curious if you, what your favorite Vandal moments were. Uh, maybe it was high stepping at Eastern or against Eastern. Um, I don't know if uh, it was, you know, the, the big ending the career at against NAU. Uh, do you have any top Vandal moments from your time? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, probably the bowl game, just because you know I wasn't a player before that, but just knowing how hard everybody worked, um, and then to get to that moment was pretty cool to see all the, the coaches and the players that were there. Uh, everyone's hard work paid off. Um, and then just you know a couple games, probably the NAU game, the Eastern game, and um. 
I took a lot of hits that North Dakota game two years ago. So to win that one and go down the wire, uh, that was pretty cool. And just to experience that with so many different people because, uh, you know, all three teams play pretty good that game. And uh, that was a physical team now. So that, that was just a, a good win for us. Um, I still think that high stepping at Eastern, I loved it. Just, uh, I think after the press conference too, you brought up like Matt Linehan did that how many times and never got flagged. You do it once and just like two or three quick ones and got the flag. I kind of curious. I mean, you talked about the bull team. So the journey from the FBS down to the FCS, are there any key differences coming from like the big sky compared to the Sun Belt, Or is that just something that like, fans just kind of overstate and there wasn't really that big of a drop off in competition. I think there's different things about each conference that was different. Speed was definitely a difference in the big sky and the Sun Belt. Um, just how athletic those guys are in the Sun Belt. But then you got the big sky where um, I think it's just a little bit better quarterback play. Um, and that makes a huge difference throughout teams. And, um, and it's just, you know, just we, our depth got hurt a little bit these last two years, um, and that made it harder for us to to go down the the schedule and uh, compete sometimes. And if you look at you know my class is a good example. Um, there was a few number. You know, you bring in twenty five guys and I think only like three or four. You know, were with me on senior day. Um, so I think what people sometimes missed out is is throughout this whole FBS to FCS my my recruiting class the one above me really hurt us uh, with retention rate of how many guys stayed for the full four years um, but you know they're, they're, they're getting back um, and it's never been done before so yeah. that's something people got to realize and when you see all those guys especially in recruiting wise that jump from the FCS to the FBS, you can take a shot on some kids with a 30% scholarship and that can get a full ride with academic or something like that, where we had to go down, cut scholarships, and you can't miss on kids when you do that. Um, and then you can't have kids just not stay for four years. Our retention rate, for whatever reasons, everyone has their own story of leaving, but it just wasn't very good the two recruiting classes that you know I was kind of involved with so uh, that hurt us and then you know we were just a better team of course the bowl game year and the year after that than we were these last two years but I think um, you saw it where you know Trey Walker and Connor Whitney's class and Logan Floyd and Logan Kendall their class um, is really good class and uh, they'll get back up to the top no question about it um, so It'll be good. It's a good future for those guys. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Mace, it's uh, good talking to you. I know it's a little been, been a while since I've seen you. You know, kind of wanna, I want to talk about what you hit on is how, how we did miss the playoffs the last two years. I know part of this team down, it was tough. That um, was weird going from those Sunbelt games, those Big Sky games. It was kind of a weird breaker, um, weird break. But, uh, you know, in your thoughts, I know you kind of hit on a little bit, but what – what kept Idaho out of the playoffs at least one of these last two years? Now you hit on retention, maybe injury. Um, you know, I know the refs might play a part in, especially a game at Montana State, cough, cough at Cade Coffee, sitting in your in the apartment you're in right now. How close do you think Idaho was to those playoffs the last two years? 
Uh, two years ago, we weren't close. You know, I'll take the ball in the head. We weren't consistent at the quarterback position the last two years. Um, so that's, you know, that's always hard to admit, but it's just true in a couple of games. I didn't play good enough for us to win. Um, and then and then a couple of games, you're right there. You just got to make the plays to win at the end. Um, you know, the Montana game this year, we could have gone up 17-0 to easily. Um, and you saw the week right after that that it did happen and you know that's the result so you, you know just a couple plays here and there throughout the season and uh, and it's a different season but um, you're right there last year um, especially you know you got two touchdowns that were touchdowns that were called back against Wyoming you know that would have been a huge win for us as a program um, and then the fumble that they had that you know you know, it's clear on video that was a fumble, but just you don't get that break. And you don't get breaks sometimes. Um, it's just unfortunate. That's how life goes, and you just got you just got to kind of take the punches how it goes. And um, but we're really close, and um, they got basically the whole defense coming back. Um, and then you know, offensively, you got some skill guys coming back, and um, sometimes it's good just to start fresh, start over. Um, and so it'll be it'll be fun to see what they can do. So related to that, um, I guess the other side of, of the question is, what do you think Idaho needs to do uh, this season and into the you know into future seasons to move from uh, you know sub five hundred to playoff to contending for titles, big sky titles? Stay healthy. <laughs> Stay healthy. I mean, my God, we took the. I mean, it was on big on offense. We took the injury bug. I don't know how many freaking times. Last year, when I was healthy, when Jeff Cotton was healthy, and we had our five offensive linemen, and we were pretty hard to stop on offense. Um, so, I mean, just freaking stay healthy. I mean, the, the games that we were healthy was Eastern Washington, half of Wyoming, and NAU. And that's when we kind of had all bullets in place. Um, but everyone goes through injuries. But um, And it's going to be a whole different group of guys. But if they can just stay healthy – um, our offense kind of changes how, like, you know, who the quarterback is throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who's the guy and, and how they're going. It'll just be interesting to see how they do. Just, but yeah, number one thing is just stay healthy. Since you've now graduated and Colton Richardson is going to be yep. taking the year off, we're guaranteed to basically have a brand new face at the quarterback position going into this year. As a guy who just spent the last two years doing it, do you have any like words of advice you would give somebody that's stepping into the role, whether that be with your dad's coaching style, playing in the sky, being a vandal? You got to make plays with your feet. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, when a play breaks down, you, you got to be able to improvise. All the best quarterbacks in the league so far have improvised. Um, you know, the best one that I don't think anyone gives enough credit to is the kid at NAU last year. I mean, he could do it all. Um, Cookus, man, he was a baller. Uh, but just be able to emphasize with your feet, make plays when plays break down. Um, at Idaho, um, it's just to have fun and, and, and don't let all the outside noise um, get to you because that's at every college. But, you know, with all the all the stuff that, that, that's happened in the Palouse over the years, I think – Whoever it is, we got we got to give them a chance to to grow and progress without just hammering on you know a couple first bad games because we're kind of all hypocritical and I kind of find myself doing it too. 
is, you know, we all talk about mental health and, you know, student athletes health, but then like, look what we're all posted online about the kid. You know what I mean? Like no one, no one deserves it. And, and that's, that comes with the job. I get that. But whoever this next guy is, let's, let's try to be supportive and let's try to be on his back. Um, Cause I've been here since, you know, my dad's gotten here and people don't realize how, you know, bad people were to Matt before Matt got to the bowl game. I mean, I remember being on the sidelines, how people just bad people were to Matt and then they loved him at the end. But, uh, just however we can just support this next guy and, and just, just be nice people. I mean, God, just everything that's going on in the country, let's just try to be more positive as a fan base. Um, and just help this next quarterback get through, you know, because everyone has a bad game, but let's don't try to hammer him as much as we have in the past, the couple people. But I don't know. I'm excited about the guys. We've got a couple of new guys coming in, um, CJ and the Mike. Uh be interesting to see what they do. And then Nikhil's going to be back. Um, and Nikhil's grown a lot these last two years. So it'll be exciting for the fans of the Vandals um, in the incoming future. Miss, you had one of the most deadly – targets to throw to the last couple of years in the FCS level and uh, Jeff Cotton just now gone with the LA Chargers. Hopefully we get to see him on hard knocks this year. Um, but you had the opposite was Cottrell. Who, who, who do you see coming up to maybe take some, some Jeff's catches? Um, this group has always kind of been um, one of our better groups. As long as I've been there and even since I've left, there's always been the next guy up mentality. So who do you think that next guy yeah. up is? Um. And we had a lot of talented freshmen last year, and you can see it in the NAU game where some guys stepped up that we didn't really give uh, necessarily shots to play early in the year. Hayden Hatton's probably going to be a pretty good target. Um, he'll kind of do some stuff probably that Deion Watson did in the past that you guys are you know remember. Um, Sean McCormick's going to be a good player. Um, Puffer's really fast. You know he can be stretched the field. Mike Noyle showed some flashes. Um, there's a lot of guys, and you know, through the through the grapevine, I, I've heard the little slot receiver coming in. The JUCO guy JJ is going to be a stud, so um, it'll be it'll be fun. We all know what Cottrell can do, and if he can take that leap like Jeff did through his um, junior to senior year, he'll, he'll have a great season. But uh, it'll be really fun to watch with those guys. We've always had good receivers, so that won't be a, it'll be fun to see what they can do. So in your time playing, what do you have any venues that stand out as being, I don't know, experiences that no matter what happened in the game, you're just pretty damn happy you got to play there? Oh, God. Um, first collegiate game at UW was pretty cool just because it was a Final Four team and, and that, that environment was pretty cool. Uh, Florida was awesome, just the environment there and being in an SEC stadium and – um, so that was really cool. Um, Montana State was really cool just because how so compact and loud it was. Um, the snow that, that morning, too. <laughs> oh, man. The snow yeah, that just morning. The, the snow. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and then uh, – uh, Monroe was kind of cool for me just because it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana, kind of <laughs> sticks. Um, and then big stadiums, just kind of just old fashioned Southern stadiums, just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Troy, their student section were, they were hilarious. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, those, those venues kind of stick out, out in Missouri. That was pretty cool. Um, Penn State was just cool because how big it was. Big Skywise. Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I wanted to play at Weber State. I heard that was just a pretty cool venue, just the, the scenery and stuff. Um, probably Montana State. That was a cool game just to be a part of. Wish we could have. Wish they would have just hands up. You know, but uh, even they knew it was in. But uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that one was rough. But I, now I kind of want to play on that Montana State game because as a quarterback, Troy Taylor, Troy Anderson, does he not just the reincarnated like reincarnated Tim Tebow? Like watching him play, he just looked like Tim Tebow out there. He even wore the fifteen. And I guess just. Being on the other sideline, did you guys get that vibe at all watching him run around in Bozeman? Yeah, I, I would even say he's more of like a Cam Newton. Yeah, that's fair. Um, the speed. He's pretty faster than Tebow. Yeah, because we kind of control game the whole first half. Um, I had like a second degree separated shoulder that game, so no one knew if I could only throw like 15 yards down the field. <laughs> and, you know, we were doing so good during the game that, you know, and then all of a sudden he just breaks off three or four runs and they're right back in the game. So uh, he, he's a fun guy to watch. Um, unfortunately, he kind of won the game for him and made some plays. But, uh, yeah, just how big he is, how he can move. Um, I think people don't give him a credit how agile, um, how he can move his feet, you know, side to side, how he can miss missing the whole one-on-one. Um, but he, yeah, he was their entire team, and he was definitely a fun player. Yeah. And then, so with that, I'm kind of curious. Obviously, you, you, you know, with your dad being – a coach previously you probably were aware of like the Boise State Idaho rivalry and that's for all intents and purposes gone now so I guess someone who's been around in the program for four years now who do you kind of consider Idaho's top rival like was there anybody that really got you going the most or you noticed as a team they seem to like kind of have that animosity towards and you could get up Eastern 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 Eastern, Eastern, <laughs> Eastern. I think Eastern, the upgrades will be the big one. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some things that happened in the Montana game last year that they'll become a rival, um, uh, you know, throughout the years. But right now, I think Eastern would be the big rival. Um, it's just because we're so close and how the games have went the last two years. Next year will be really fun to watch the Eastern game. Um, but yeah, I think Eastern will become the big rival, and hopefully that's that's uh, protected throughout the year. Yeah, um, throughout the big Eastern host state right now, probably the big. All right, Mason. Well, we enjoyed having you on. Was one thing we always ask of our guests before they leave. So we just spent the whole time asking you questions. So we do a segment called Getting Iced, where you can ask us anything you want. It can be sports related, or it can be about anything, about life, experiences. Um, we get no time to prep for it. So if you can think of anything, fire it away, and then we'll uh, we'll send it off here. 
Well, you guys are the the talk shows and the 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 big the big guys on the podcast. So, well, anyone's opinion if we're gonna have a season this year? Hmm. Brian, I'll let you take that first. I saw you start licking the chops. Oh, dude. Well, I'm not licking the chops. More like looking at the ways I expect to be devastated. Uh, So I believe, uh, dude, I I listened to Lynn Hickey talk about the cost of testing for Eastern Washington on Larry Weir's podcast, which sounds like it's in the ballpark of 10,000 per week. And I, I got to say at this point with how the numbers are going up right now and just the cost some of the programs are going to have that aren't and programs that are just not rich in the big sky. I have shifted to, I'm hoping we have season, we have a full season in the spring, but I am getting ready to hear that there's, that it's not going to happen. I mean, like part of the issue is with how the numbers are going up. I mean, people have to, for play to be safe, people have to be in shape. Like they have to go through the, you know, the, like the training camp kind of play, you know, the, the preseason practices for the conditioning. And I have no idea how some of the teams are going to be able to do that by September. Yeah. And I guess my opinion on it is, I know I, I didn't get time to listen to it. I saw Tom Wisterchild, the commissioner just posted something about, uh, it's about to be the most important four weeks of, in probably college football history. I think there's probably, I mean, you're looking around the world, sports are being played, whether it's Bundesliga, Premier League, the AFL down in Australia. I think we're getting to a point where they play. I just think it's going to be televised. I think there's going to be limited staff, probably no fans. I would be shocked if we play with fans. I don't know if we'll go completely season canceled. Maybe it gets pushed to spring, but I'm thinking we're leaning more on kind of the the soccer style right now. I know that football is a bit more con a lot more contact than soccer, but I think you're going to see more where it's just like team staff officials and, you know, the people shooting cameras to get it televised for people and pumping crowd noise is where I think, think this season's going. Um, if I had a recommendation, I'd say just move it to the spring right now to get it over with. Um, if, if there are hopes for vaccine by the end of the calendar year, which is, you know, what's being kind of pushed out by, I guess, Dr. Fauci, who probably knows more about this than any of us do. Um, you know, then there's belief that there could be hope that the vaccine can be widely distributed by early March, late February. So if we just start the season, first week of March, play March, April, May, probably have fans in the stands. Um, or play a brief schedule like the Ivy League's trying to do. The Ivy League today said they're going to try to play a seven-game season in the spring, conference only. So if we can have fans in the stands and it means put it to the spring, just get it, just push it now. Everyone can prepare, take a breath, and uh, you know actually know what's going on. Because USC said there's going to be no students on campus this fall. So we'll see how that turns out. All right, Mason, we want to thank you for joining us. I know people are going to be really happy to hear from you. And once again, you know, thanks for all you did for the Vandal program and joining us today. Is there any words or anything you want to leave the people with to let them know what you're up to and what you got going on in your life? Yeah, but I, I got a pretty good job lined up and then I'm uh, really excited about and going to follow the Petrino footsteps and becoming a coach. And uh, be really fun to watch the Vandals in the future. So uh, it'll be good. Idaho wins in the upcoming years and um, Vandals. Thanks, Mace. All right. So that was our interview with Mason Petrino. Uh, short, 
but sweet. I think we covered just about everything that we kind of would want to ask without with leaving us time to still have a full review podcast for you guys about the major majority of the off season topics that happened. But is there anything from the interview that you guys really took away or, you know, want to kind of emphasize on what he, he said? Yeah. You know, I thought he's talking about what Idaho expects to be like coming up. Um, you know, we've lost some deep guys, um, you know, Noah Johnson, Lloyd Hightower, um, Jeff Cotton, but we prepared for that. And now we finally starting to find a groove in the big sky a little bit on how to recruit and how to replace guys. And he's really optimistic. Uh, I love that he's optimistic about the classes and his class and the class behind him. As it is kind of easy to see, or not his class, but the classes behind him that are now, you know, sophomores, juniors, freshmen. Yeah. Trey Walker. Yeah. That those classes, you know, Logan Kendall, Connor Whitney, um, because the guys in Mason's class, I loved his point about how he only walked out on senior day with like four guys who came in his class. Yeah. You know, that that's telling. Um, we saw some attrition in those years. And that's just natural for college football programs to go through. Um, but it really hurt us. And I think that's, you know, one reason we can look at back the last couple of years of our performance on the field and see um, some losses that could have been wins. Um you know, and hearing his positivity about the receiver group coming up because we always seem to be, man, how are we going to replace this guy? How are we going to replace this guy? Somehow Paul Petrino always seems to find a way to replace everyone on on the receiving room um, and never miss a step. So um, really excited about that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on the part he said, too, about the small graduating class, because I guess the way I would take it, I know our theme is moving forward, uh, unironically moving forward. uh, But, you know, I think of, you know, when we're in our fourth year, let's say, away from the, the shift we had to make, I think we're probably going to realize that it there are actually a ton of, you know, variable, variables uh, to the team's performance that, I mean, no, no one else had done the shift before. So I, I think it was pretty easy. I'm sure I did this too. Presume that, hey, you had, you know, X level of talent uh, and then you move. Why, why didn't it work out? And it turns out actually like it, it's not a simple thing if you just shift conferences. It's a multi-year process with a bunch of moving parts and uh, losing a ton of guys from one class is one of the moving parts that, pro- you know, it probably, probably did slow us down. I wouldn't be floored if that was an issue. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something we totally missed too. Like, I had no idea. And Alex, I, I mean, being on the team was that because I know you're not in Mason's class. Is that something that you were really aware of? Because I would agree that was one of the big things where I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, I actually didn't think about that. That is, that's a lot of turnover. Yeah. And for when we talked about turnover, see, it did seem pretty natural throughout the drop, like less than we thought it was. But you, I mean, obviously, when you hear it like that, you're like, "Well, maybe we just." We missed it. I mean, I don't. I don't think necessarily it was the turnover at the time. I think it was. And if you listen to Petrino's interviews, Coach Petrino's interviews, it's more. It happened on the recruit. It started in the recruiting trail, you know, in that year of sixteen, seventeen. In terms of, it was hard for him to go into guys' living rooms and be like, "This is our plan. This is what we're doing." We had no firm plan, and so I'm not saying the guys we got were bad. I'm just saying it might not have fit his mold of guys that he typically has gone after. And if we actually see, he's brought some good level talent to Idaho um, when he has a plan and in an area to actually recruit. You know, he's hit the South hard and then he transitioned to hitting the Northwest hard. And we're starting to see that pay off on um, who we're seeing on the field and how they're performing. So I think it might not have been, you know, attrition was bad, but I think it started, you know, back in that 16 and 17 year 
on the recruiting trail. And that kind of has led to some things because that can happen. You know, everyone has their story. Everyone comes and goes. Um, you know, I remember when I, my class, by the time that all, when I was out of there, the only guys that came in at my recruiting class that were still there, me, Ed Hall, Dorian Clark, and Dave Unger. That was it. Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis. That was it too. Everyone else gone out of that 2014 first season. Um, you know, Jake Luton, guys like that transferred. Jordan Rose was on the team that last year. Um, you know, things happen. So everyone has their story. But um, I was really interested to hear him also talk about the transition from the style of play and the Sun Belt to the Big Sky and how it's yeah. not easy. You know, we went from seeing the same type of football from everyone for four years in the Sun Belt, a little more different, a little bit more just kind of straight at you, a little more faster, a little stronger. And the Big Sky likes to get there and just throw the ball around the yard and just try to, you know, spread you out and go that way. Um, they're not going to out-athlete you. They're just going to just out-scheme you and out-pass you. So a little bit different style of play. And I think we're finally starting to maybe see that on the field um, of how we're – who we're recruiting and how we're game planning. So I think we're headed – from talking to Mason, I feel better than ever that we're headed in the right direction um, with the football program. Yeah. And I guess one of the things that I just kind of wanted – I mean, I kind of touched on it when we were talking about it originally when the, when I introduced the interview, but the fact that – I mean, hit the head. It's. I remember being in the stands and hitting on exactly what he said. Where just give the guy a chance to breathe, because those first two years for Matt weren't pretty. I remember when the quarterback battle was going on with Chad Challenge. Like people were getting mad when Challenge was getting pulled out. Uh, then when Matt wore that cheap shot from New Mexico State, that's when everybody said like he just doesn't have durability. He's not strong enough. That's why we should have kept Challenge in. Or that's why we need to give this guy a shot or that guy a shot. Or well, the um, guy who's supposed to get a shot is now the six round draft pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think he turned out all right. <laughs> I mean, true, but you know, <laughs> but I mean, I'm still like, and just at the end, everybody loved Matt, right? It's because he got us to a bowl game. And his senior year had injuries not struck. It could have been different too. But I, I really think it struck it. And something that I know I'm going to try to work on a little bit more this year is just it's hard being a college quarterback already. Um, and maybe a little bit more slack needs to be let out to these guys. And look, for us, uh, let the coaching staff do their part. But easier to say now than it was at the time when we were we, – like we all, I thought we should have been in the playoffs the last two years based on the drop to the FBS. The talent was there. There's an argument about FCS versus SBS talent. I always seem to be on the opposite side of that from everybody else, but I thought we were in a really good shot to have two straight playoff appearances. It didn't happen. And unfortunately, when you're the quarterback of the team, a lot of blame goes to you. Probably could have gone to other places. Um, but uh, it, it did pile on, and you know, hindsight being 2020, I, I feel bad about that, and I'm going to try to be better about that with quarterbacks going forward but um, all in all good interview i i I mean alex i told you to send him a text like super cool of him to go on um i honestly wasn't expecting it so that was really cool of him uh it was nice to hear from him and actually like you know a guy i've talked about actually get to talk to him so yeah that's that's something with idaho that's sometimes tough is you know um the best time to interview these guys is after they're done coach you know kind of keeps it tight tight knit and things we have a certain policy of when you're playing you know there's yeah. certain things you he's got you know avoid and uh but it is a small you're right small community 
the me those guys we we do hear it. all those guys hear what we say one way or another it gets back around small tight-knit community so i think uh you know moving forward we just got to be supporters of uh all these vandal players to help them feel the best they can do to go out on saturdays and win football games just that conference championship yeah but if you throw, if you throw a bad pick i'm still gonna call you out. yeah right <laughs> well, right of course the one thing i throw in there too like our again like we're, we're moving forward our situation was unbelievably atypical compared to like, you know, every team in the conference, uh, you know, with, with who, with the dynamic between Mason and Pollock, we, we are not the only people who have referenced this. How we, there are like four or five beat writers who you, who either cover Idaho now or used to cover Idaho, who essentially had the exact same opinion of what our situation was. And, um, I just think it's going to be a lot easier to just talk about what happened with that dynamic itself over uh, because now it's not, not a cloud that, you know, a lot of people are expected to hear from. It's not something that when people are frustrated that we, that, you know, you can go to, it's just done. And now it's just, he's talking about the games. That's it. Which I'm happy that we're in that situation. Have your summer plans been canceled? Are you having a hard time finding a backup plan? Well, don't fret and don't look too far away. There are amazing options right out your back door that offer the ultimate mix of fun and adventure. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States for the ultimate form of social distancing. Hughes River Expeditions has run first-class trips on rivers in the West since 1976. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the Salmon River Canyons, the Selway, or even a special trip like one to see the Perside Meteor Shower camp on pristine beaches, hike amazing trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history all along the river's edge, fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the lower 48, and let Hughes River Expeditions handle everything else. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and is ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. HRE is booking trips now through 2023, don't miss out on a world-class trip right here in the Gem State. You can check them out at HughesRiver.com or give them a call at the HRE office. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull on world-class rivers right here in the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882. There has never been a better time to get out in the fresh air of the Idaho backcountry. We're going to mix it up. Mix it up. We got around the bar now. Uh, we're trying to make the podcast as new and as fresh as possible as we enter the third season of doing this puppy. So we're going to do picking a tap. So we're doing an off-season recap, kind of the big stories. If you didn't watch or listen to every single episode from the end of the football season, when we obviously know that that is when we peak is football season, through when we stopped in May. Uh, any topics, fair game. We're all just going to pick a topic, and whoever picks that topic is going to kind of play host. We'll spend some time on it, and we'll move on. We'll see how many of these we get through. I'll try to keep the podcast at about that magic hour mark. So, Brian, you're to my right on people's screens. Why don't you start and pick any topic you'd like, and let's have a discussion about it. Pick your tab. So my tab is going to be, uh, you guys heard we have resolution from the Don Verlin investigation this summer. I did um, hear. Yeah. 
And I was curious about how you guys feel uh, now that the NCAA had their, you know, they issued like a formal statement report, whatever, on the matter. Idaho's penalties are two years of probation, uh, $5,000 fine, restriction of men's unofficial visits for a three-week period last year. That's done. Reduction in number of men's basketball official visits by four during the last two seasons, during last season. Uh, last two seasons, a restriction of all men's recruiting communications for a two week period uh, starting November 22nd of 2020 reduction number of men's basketball recruiting persons person days by 16 uh, during well th- that that's done. That was 19, the 2019, 2020 season and a one year show cause order for uh, any team that hires Don Verlin in the next year or two. Um, I was curious how you guys feel about um, the penalties, just because there's a little bit more clarity in the report about what the the violations were. And um, some of them, like some of the violations were pretty minor and barely even violations. You know, like uh, Verlin promoted a guy uh, to like director of basketball operations or something like that when he was a few credits short of being a senior. And that's against university policy, but it's university policy. The premise was to just get the guy a few more bucks. He was already doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious how you guys feel about um, now that we have resolution to the whole investigation, to the whole, you know, investigation, whatever about um, our basketball team. I'm curious how you guys feel about where we landed. So I'm a big fan of, I don't know how to say this in a, in a proper sense, but there's a, comedy channel on youtube called sec shorts like southeastern conference shorts where they make fun of stuff uh, throughout the southeastern conference and there's a funny one where they're getting their report cards for the year and it gets to missouri and they get made fun of for being in timeout because they put themselves in timeout by self-reporting which is kind of what idaho did here i'm not a fan of kind of obviously how the Verlin stuff went out. We have all this new information now, which does kind of change my opinion on how everything went, but it's just still kind of hard to be happy about the fact that like we shot ourselves huge in the foot here in basketball and the team hasn't seemed to recover. And so, I mean, in terms of like good news, bad news, no news at this point, this to me, is just kind of no news. I mean, we already know that Klaus is going to be hired. Verlin was out. I still feel like it's almost too harsh of a penalty on Verlin. It's just it's just a lose-lose situation, and I just wish it could be Boise State or Montana or anybody else that was dealing with this instead of us. But sucks for Verlin, sucks for the program. But, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because this is where I – I falls with the NCAA because when you self-report, it's supposed to be like, yeah, we recognize that we messed up. And, you know, it's supposed to, if you self-report, it's like uh, taking a plea deal. You're supposed to get a lesser sentence. It always seems like the schools that self-report end up with the worst deal than the schools who don't self-report. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I do, I do feel like some of the penalties pretty harsh, you know, like, and like what Brian was talking about, um, you know, I know Brooks Palm. I know the guy who was hired um, as the as a DBO. He had been a student manager for that program for like three, four years before he was hired as a DBO. That's a route that Verlin traditionally took with his DBOs. 
Um, and, you know, the fact that was a university policy break and not a NCAA policy break, but yet we seem to be bearing the brunt of that. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand, you know, um, what the NCAA had to, you know, those are some pretty harsh penalties for a program that's already struggling. So it'll be interesting to see how the coaching staff, um, you know, handles it. But, uh, you know, I feel bad for Don. Um, I know Don, Don personally, and I feel bad for him. And he'll probably land on his feet in a program, um, kind of like what happened to Ray Lopes a couple years ago. So probably hasn't lasted to see Don Verlin. And, you know, now that it's out there and it's released, it's time for Zach Kloss and the coaching staff just to move forward and look forward to that big, beautiful wood thing being built to the north side of the Tibby Dome. So my opinion changed after reading through the listed infractions again, because the NC2A report was a little bit harsh in my mind. Like it referenced the biggest thing it did was it referenced Idaho having a culture of like non-compliance in the basketball program. But then when you read through, like the, you read through the individual things, um, just none is that big a deal. And it also relates to stuff we've heard. I've at least heard secondhand reports about what Terry Golick is hoping to do with the athletic department. Now, of course, some of that might be on hold is have more compliance officers so that I don't know, maybe stuff like this isn't a big deal. But the more I look through what was actually cited, it's just nothing. I mean, like, I'm glad that most of this stuff is done for the 2020 season or 2021 season. Um, but a lot of that's minor. And, and Ver- Verlin now has a show cause order. I mean, we, we've heard we've seen we've seen coaches do much worse. Hell, North Carolina famously had the, you know, not fake classes for basketball players and nothing happened. Verlin does some bureaucratically dumb stuff and then promotes a guy to to help him you know help him financially the guy's doing work i th- i just it sucks i'm glad that i'm glad that part's over it makes me feel it makes me really hope verlin i'll be really happy when i hear about verlin's next assistant coaching job how about that it's just yeah. it's it's the ncaa just being like just dumb again like i yeah. i'm just not a mark Abbott fan at all i just Alex, it's. I just want to echo what you said. It's like, how is it that these schools to get caught doing bad things seem to get like very big, like little slaps on the wrist? And I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like that Idaho stuff is a major slap on the wrist or, or anything really, but it's still like, but at the same time, it was nothing. And we reported it to you. Like, you know, like Brian said, North Carolina had fake classes and stuff going on. Um, there's a lot worse things that have happened at other programs across country. And, and then I don't know. It's not fair. Cause this is the same, there's show cause or whatever that Berlin got. It's the same thing that uh, Jim Tressel got for the tattoos in Pete Carroll, right? Where they, if they get jobs again, like that college team has to like. And Jim Tressel's not the president of the university and Pete Carroll's living the life in Seattle. So yeah, it turned out all right. No show yeah, cause. Exactly. It's but, like, but it's like, what is, I mean, not that Pete Carroll, I a different argument, right? But um, Jim Tressel, same kind of thing. Like, it was helping not reporting players that sold stuff for tattoos. Not a big deal. Still worse than this. And it's like, I don't know. I just, the NCAA sometimes is just wild to me on how they just loosey-goosey everything. I mean, what was it Miami yeah. and Oregon were talking about getting the death penalty a couple of years ago for some serious stuff and, like, nothing Miami actually really happened close. to that? Like, yeah, I mean, I, Brian's, Brian's, I don't know if Miami did, but about Brian's point about compliance officers, um, 
I would love everyone out there to read the NCAA Division One compliance book. It's about 400 pages long of legal tax code, <laughs> legal mumble combo that changes every little bit because that's how the NCAA works. And you have compliance officers who are supposed to know this code. Coaches, they get the, they know the big stuff, but they don't know the little nitty gritty stuff. And that's why compliance officers are needed at schools. Idaho only employs like one or two full time. And in this time when this stuff happened, um, we were in a transition phase of not having a full-time compliance officer. So I'm not, I'm not trying to push the blame off on anyone, but it goes back to why we do compliance is such a big, important issue and why, you know, is good that um, AD Terry Gallup is going to want to focus on that because at the end of the day, I think having less compliance officers and less money towards it did actually end up costing us these penalties because if you have a full-time compliance staff, we probably don't run into this. And this is how good big schools get away with stuff because they employ like 10 compliance people to make sure they don't break the rules and don't get caught with it. So, hmm. Which, last thing before we close this tap, I guess, it reminds me of the Cal Poly penalty that was announced last year where Cal Poly gave a handful or maybe, I don't know, like 15 or something like that student athletes received a little bit more money in book stipends than they were allowed to receive and as a result i mean their financial penalties but then like the cal poly's 2012 fcs second round playoffs playoff appearances was, was wiped away from the records uh their women's basketball team made the nc2a tournament in 2013 and the nit in 2014 those two were wiped out of the record books because some um, women basketball players received a little bit too much book money and the men's 2015 NCAA soccer tournament appearance was wiped away all that because of, you know, a handful of books. And like we said, Google it. If you don't believe me, when North Carolina won the 2005 national championship, sports illustrated has an article. You can find it. Just Google UNC basketball, fake classes. Uh, there were at least 35 fake classes taken by North Carolina basketball players that season. Thir- uh, there's a 30 for 30 for about it, isn't there? I mean, it also hey, it was, football team. It was, it was offered to everyone in the school. That's why it still doesn't get involved in education accreditation. Not issue. on the public that's catalog. They, that's what they said. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I've met Mark Emmert. Um, my opinion changed after, after I met him. Um, more respect for the guy now and i realize a lot of things um happen because of uh the large power playing schools write the rules and uh, they're the ones that's what the NCAA is it's member institutions and the member institutions make up what happens they decide to vote and guess who gets what i thought of those big time schools who will a lot of the power so yeah well mr boatman yeah uh, yeah you know, I want to talk about staying kind of COVID-related, the budget crisis that's kind of hitting college athletics. Um, you know, we've seen multiple um, Division One mid-major schools because um, that's when they classify uh, Idaho as anyone, any school who has football that's not in the Power Five as a mid-major. They've had to cut sports. Um, UConn just recently cut four or six sports. Uh, Boise State just cut their baseball program after 14 games after they had cut their wrestling program, and they cut their swim and dive team. Um, you know, I know it's kind of funny, Chris. Boise State. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just I'm chopping at the yeah. bit for that that, yeah. that one right there. Um, you know, Idaho. I, I'm really interested to see is we were already facing a budget crisis, um, and still are university wide. 
Um, you know, we're still twenty something million dollars in the hole as the university, but athletics wise, um, our financials have not been good the last few years, and we know that. I'm really curious um, to see how we continue to hold on to um, these two sports that we don't require to be FCS. And I'm also really curious um, why I remember, did you guys remember Rob Spears plan a couple years ago on how we could add three sports. Oh add yeah. The, and, uh, but non-scholarship. So their tuition. Yeah. They, they, yeah. yeah. You know, like rifle um, and like right. And swimming and diving. Coaches, yeah. Triathlon, I think was the other one. Yeah. Um, you know, why don't more schools, you know, take that that keen budgetary approach? Um, I'm just kind of curious uh, and see what you guys think on how on how we're going to see this budget crisis nationwide um, impact schools like Idaho. Well, we listened to if you listen to the Eagle Power Hour, they had Lynn Hickey on, and she talked a little bit about what it's going to look like at Eastern, where they're having a around 30% budget cut to the athletic department, which means a ton of unfilled positions. Um, Otherwise it's very hard to get to 30% budget cut. In addition to individual, every staff member having to take a cut in salary, even people who are lower on the athletic totem pole, having to take at least like 3% people made more, took a bigger cut. Um, I I don't, I don't know why more schools don't, don't go that route because, um, I mean, the the athletic budget, it's part of the university budget. And mm-hmm. if a university, the university has a, the shortfall that every university is going to have, uh, that is more tuition money. Uh, but I'm and in, in addition to this season, um, you know, with COVID stuff, Lynn Hickey said it's going to cost them around fifteen thousand dollars whenever they every single time that they have to test the football team. And. I, I mean, we're starting to talk about more than a year's worth of tuition. Um, so I, yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm with you. I don't understand how other places aren't going that way. My understanding is that cutting cutting a sport is a losing proposition for the university financially. It is. Yeah, you, you're cutting enrollment, um, especially when a lot of those Olympic sports don't have fully funded scholarships, or you know they spread out scholarships. Part of those students have to cover part of their tuition. Um, so, you know, in Idaho, I don't know, outside of football, men's, women's basketball, and maybe volleyball, I don't think any other sport gives out full scholarships. Everything else gets divided up. So you have students paying fees and tuition, which then does help the university's bottom line. Um, you know, I, I – and oh, there was a point you brought up that I'm trying to remember now. Mm. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> so I just th- there's a lot of things to cover, and uh, fortunately for us, there are a lot of t- schools that I love to talk about. Starting with Eastern, uh, I agree with Brian. If you don't listen to the Eagles Power Hour, they just had Linda Hickey, who's the athletic director over there, who we threw toss around the name of a bit when our position was open. I'm trying to snipe her. Looks like that was an even bigger possibility than we thought. Going wrong, I actually might think I like Terry Gallick better, but. Um, I mean, but I'm happy that we got Terry. Um, but it's they're talking about like they're struggling to even possibly come together hundred dollar kits to try to get the football season going. This is meanwhile all the universities taking a huge hit and really trying to like the Senate faculty is trying to really pin it on athletics as like having this thing. Even though it's obvious when you, she was talking about like if 
they can even afford to have football if they can't have people in the stands because game day revenue alone is so big. And even with half almost, is it worth running the the stadium um, compared to everything else they're going to have to do? So like that on its own is a huge crisis. Um, but then a really good interview sort of, I mean, that, that clown station down in Boise, Channel 7, KTVB, it's just the biggest pout fest ever. With uh, They had an interview with Kurt Aspie, you can find, who's the athletic director down in Boise State. And First off, just it's all Kustra. Uh, Kurt Aspie actually, I think, does a really good job down there. Um, but freaking that Bob Kustra just, like, you get rid of your one into the Pac-12 in wrestling. Uh, a story program, arguably probably their most successful level program they've ever had. Um to start a baseball program in which you try to like high rants on the Boise Hawks to go in on a stadium with you. And then eventually say no, after you did like a land swap with the Boise school district to be able to even try it, like all the shady crap that went on to get that baseball thing going. And then it folds after 14 games. And not only that, you have coaches now living there. They had a guy on recent, I think it was actually KBOI who had a guy on who literally just arrived in Boise that night at midnight and got a text from a friend who heard about it folding. Like, and he just drove up from McNeese State, like as a grad transfer. Now he's like, I just got in Boise, signed a lease, and now I'm immediately trying to go out. So I'm going to be out the money because, you know, they'll honor their scholarships, but they're not going to pay you out of a a lease. So he's kind of like, he was bummed and everything. But then you just listen to this KTVB interview, and um, they're all, you know, just being sad saps about the whole thing, Um, the KTVB guys. But Kurt Aspie made a really good point and saying, like, he was glad they talked about the athletes because people seem to forget, like, like I just said, a bunch of these kids now aren't playing baseball or aren't swimming and diving. Um, but it, it just sucks that they made this move and now swimming and diving has to go for it. And like I said, I've been counting our blessings because I'm not sure how we haven't done it yet. I'd love to have Terry on and talk our finances. But it just – like he brought up um, – a point where he was talking about how this is going to be really big, even for them on football, talking the same thing, Eastern Washington on game day revenue. Even if they could get about 50% of the people in, they're going to get about $7 million or something like that in game day revenue. It was some number, but he goes, but now you're also talking about ad revenue going because there's going to be less people in the stadium. So all those ads around the stadium are not going to sell for what they used to. And they don't know. Like we, uh, Brian brought up to me when we were recapping the Eagles power hour one, you have to have a certain amount of time, according to the NCAA, that you can practice. They don't know if all the teams they're going to play, they're going to be able to play. Uh, so then how many home games are they actually going to get? Like, is Marshall going to be able to come out here and play? Or uh, Florida State, you know? it. So if those games don't happen, you're losing an entire TV game. So you're losing TV revenue. And he kind of got about all the things that people forget about. They think about strictly game day revenue but you forget now ads are worth less your tv revenue is going to be worth less the conference as a whole might not draw as much espn is going to start renegotiating contracts or cbs or whoever the mountain west is through um they didn't get the money from the basketball tournament that they would have had probably two or three bids in so he brought up like there's a whole cycle of this going on he goes it's not as bad for those schools like probably a uw in ohio state that has like a 30 million dollar athletic budget but for smaller schools, it is going to be it's going to be a harder hit, and it I find it weird. Maybe it's at the Vandal Scholarship Fund. 
for it not being as funded as it's been in the past, it's still well-funded that we're being able to do this. But, I mean, I just feel like we have cuts on the way, so I'm trying not to stick too many jabs into other schools. But, yes, what's happening at Eastern right now, pretty tragic because it's a whole university issue. And then Boise State is just – its I mean, it's made my, my year, actually. Like, 2020 has been awful. This will I will take this away from 2020. It's like pending us going to some whack short-season Frisco – national title game i'm gonna be like remember the year where boise state started a baseball program and it failed 14 games and that's that's my 2020 takeaway and all i care about the budget crisis is that boise state lost so you were talking about you know dub there for a second um so UW dub to 15 percent budget cuts you know had co- coaches salary cuts 80s you know all that good stuff but what i will tell you UW has about 140 150 million dollar budget um which is wild to think that Idaho at one point was in the same division as them in terms of uh, football. And we were, you know, sold hundred something plus million away from them. Um, that just shows you how much they're operating on. And that's not even, you know, that's about top 25, I want to say in the country, but $40 million of that comes from season ticket revenue for football. That's how much these big schools who have these 50, 60,000 seats, you know, 80,000 seat stadiums, uh, they can charge a premium on their tickets because it's such a high demand. That's how much money they make from having these football games. They are more worried about not having these football games than anyone else. I can tell you that. They will, at the end of the day, what happens to the college football will come down to what works best for the Power Five and it'll trickle down to the rest of the divisions. Um, I'd just say move it to spring, give everyone time to breathe, figure out what's going on, see what happens. Um, if it has to be a shorter season, you know, like the Ivy League might play seven games in the spring, um, you know, why are we trying to push something here that we don't know the answers to when we can just take a step back, um, reevaluate, and figure out what would work best? come first part of March. So that's my thought on maybe uh, how to keep, maybe get fans in the stands, fix some of those budgetary issues that these schools are going to run, run into. Yeah. And close to home for us, um, Northern Colorado and Southern Utah have both dropped men's and women's tennis. Uh, that's, you know, that I know for some schools, those appear to be the low hanging fruit because you get the title nine thing taken care of. Cause it's one of the sports with equitable number of, you know, men and women players. Um, I know for our sake, I hope we can, I hope we, we find a way to avoid that. I, yeah. I just, it, it sucks for the athletes. It doesn't help the school. Uh, Idaho, but look, I think all Idaho's, Idaho schools are going to need, they're just going to need some huge help from the state. There's no way around it. Like Idaho state has like a $16 million deficit or something like that. Um, th- that's just where we're at. Time to rely on the state that's 51st in education. Great. As a teacher, I'm quite aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, kind of going back to my opening introduction rant, my, my tap I'm going to pick here. I think part of the reason I've always viewed like the Thursday, the, the after Fourth of July, like you spent all summer waiting for Fourth of July, but man, I felt like June would just fly by because my birthday's middle-ish, early June, and you got you know twenty dollars from grandma, twenty dollars from parents, twenty dollars from my other grandma. I got sixty bucks. You know what was the perfect thing to spend sixty dollars on the first Tuesday in July after the Fourth of July? NCAA football by EA Sports. The game hasn't come out since the year 2013, and it would have released today, um, July 7th, when we're recording this. So that's something I miss. Something that, due to a change in the offseason, the name, image, and likeness 
rules have been revised by the NCAA, not quite as I understand it, to where we can have an EA Sports video game or 2K, whoever wants to take on the adventure. But you're starting to see the wheels start turning in what seemed like a, it was never going to happen. It would have been completely negotiated with all the schools and a mess. The wheels are turning. Name image likeness, whether that be selling, you know, uh, being able to do autograph signings or possibly a video game or appearances, they're they're making movements in how it's going to look, and it was a huge deal because it's going to change how college football is going to look even three years from now. Uh, kids getting recruited, I imagine, are going to have different opinions on programs um, than they do now, and in my opinion. Uh, actually, I'll let you guys go with this, and then I'll, I'll throw in some of my my takes in the middle. <laughs> I'm ecstatic for the awful commercials that are going to come oh. out of this. Oh, that'd be good. I so I when I was in Moscow, I worked at the A and W gas station for like two weeks because I just needed a paycheck as a custodian, and I was there watching a terrible commercial be filmed while I was cleaning around them. There's a really low bar that I think many people haven't seen. And, you know, I'm like a lot of people. I hate when YouTube videos or something like that have the annoying ads in front of them. But these are the kind of ads I might be willing to watch. You know, like let's say CJ Jordan has a successful, you know, few years. He's a junior and I don't know. He's doing like a commercial for the co-op or something like that on, you know, on their limited budget and paying him. That's the upside to me. I really want to see these awful commercials. I mean, I'm happy for, for whoever makes money. And I think there's a chance in our conference, uh, Montana, Montana state will be the big ones for that. But I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Idaho is a place where you can be known enough that a play, one of the businesses would want to use your image or likeness. Yeah. yeah. And the way uh, Boise state's going right now, we might be the biggest program in the state here shortly. So Boise might be even throwing us some money. <laughs> um, my take on NIL, as, as it gets called, not be confused with NLI. That was the – man, real quick, I, I subscribe to this thing called the D1 Ticker, and most everyone who does work in college athletics does too. I suggest it for you guys, D1 Ticker. It's free. You get all the D1 news um, every day to your email. Um, but I kept seeing N- NIL, name and likeness, and I was like, man, what, they're messing up national letter of intent so much. Like, <laughs> what's going on? And So get used to being NIL. Yeah, get used to being NIL, and there's NLI every every uh, December and February in football. So, um, real quick, Maryland is going to come out of nowhere and become a powerhouse school. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the founder of Under Armour basically runs Maryland. Um, so now everyone's going to get Under Armour sponsorship to Maryland. Uh, if every five-star athlete doesn't end up in Oregon – I don't know what happens. Zion would have gone to Oregon. Um, every person under the sun who is the next big thing is going to go to Oregon who's worth a penny to Nike. That's what you're going to see. It's going to be real interesting to see um, how they put the rules on it. It's It could be completely the wild, wild west in terms of what happens. Um, I don't think the NCAA – I don't know because the NCAA kind of got pressured into this um, by by enough media and enough other schools. But not even schools because the schools had to agree to this. It's a really weird situation. I don't know. They're reeling happen. a bit too, right? Aren't they trying to kind of step back? That's what I was saying. Like I don't think they even actually approved being put in a video game. 
the NCAA is not cutting edge in anything they do. They're like the NFL. They're very reactionary. Yeah. Um, you go look at cutting edge, go look at like the NHL or the NBA. They like to be on the forefront of things. But the NCAA and the NFL love to be the last people at the table. They don't like to move until it's absolutely necessary to move in a certain direction. That's just the way they operate. So you're going to see announced they're going to do this. Um, but what scared the crap out of the NCAA and what scared the crap out of Mark Emmert, and I know this for a fact because I heard him talk about it um, in my class, is that these individual states are putting out laws with regards to this. And they really, really – this COVID has kind of screwed everything up for the NCAA because they really, really want there to be congressional um, – international laws to supersede everything. They've been lobbying the crap out of Congress to try and get what the NCAA wants to have NIL look like. With COVID, all that's kind of stopped. Um, so we actually might see some weird rushed format that is not perfect and it's going to be pretty, pretty hit or miss for a few years. Um, so we might see some really weird influx of talent to Oregon and Maryland all of a sudden that wasn't Stanford, get all that Silicon Valley money. Yeah. You know, um, anyone. And so how does it look like donors, donor wise, you know, how can they pay someone, you know, cause all the owners that I know at UW, they all make, for the most part, the, the ones who have the money run the type of business. How can they make a sponsorship for some student athlete for $250,000? Will it be a cap on how much they can make? Will they not be allowed to sponsor more than one or two athletes? You know, there's going to be a bunch of little things that haven't been talked about that I really think um, are going to make or break what NIA looks like. And uh, But Idaho, it could work. Um, like you yeah. said, Moscow. Good place for it. Moscow Pullman. Um, Idaho and Wazoo football players. Idaho and Wazoo football players, though, they're the names in uh, the quad cities of Lewis. Yeah. I just feel bad for Eastern because I feel like. Gonzaga basketball is taking everything. Yeah, Spokane. that Spokane market well, is going to be Zags basketball and Cougs football. Yep. At least Same we have, yeah. Mm-hmm. At least we have a little bit of Coeur d'Alene. We have Moscow. We have Boise. Yeah, it's like talk about a program that might be hurt by this. Talking Eastern, Eastern Portland State school that could probably benefit a bit from it, but also once again you're dealing with Oregon. If anything, it's going to hurt Oregon State. Utah. I mean, there's some schools that you're going to like. I said Stanford school that I expect kind of come out of nowhere. Maybe. Um, I mean, there's SMU, a school that could get back to kind of where they are. There's a lot of money in that school with a lot of wealthy alumni, and it's in the heart of Dallas. Like, there's the schools are when it comes to admissions because they get more admissions. Um, yeah requests approved for athletics than public schools yeah. do. That's going to hurt. I Honestly, school could hurt. School like Alabama. I mean, yeah, they're a big brand right now, but when they're not winning and you're in Tuscaloosa, like not quite the same market and the ad dollars going in to support a, you know, 10 and three Alabama team as, you know, once Nick Saban's gone. So it'll be scary to see like schools like that, um, that maybe get hurt by this a little bit but well there's an important question we still haven't touched on yet which i'm hoping you guys and listeners have the same background i do in idaho um yeah we we're fans of silver and gold that's why we do the podcast who will be the first idaho athlete sponsored by idaho silver no <laughs> i'm sure there i'm sure there's a clause that the ncaa will not let them endorse alcohol i, or, I know could we I know some, guys, some great some great representatives of idaho silver right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, or could we at least get the silver and gold game sponsored by Idaho right. Silver and Idaho Gold? <laughs> That's true. What in the Montucky Kibby Dome with the camera? Exactly. 
we've been, I'm, it's been needing to happen for a lot. In fact, that's actually why I think the, the change is taking place is everyone out of Idaho understood that the, the silver and gold connection, it had to happen. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, let's do one more round of taps. I know we're coming up on the hour mark, but I mean, no, we're actually past it with the Mason Petrino interview, but one more round of taps. There was a lot of topics this year. We haven't been on the air for like six to seven to eight weeks. So people are going to probably excited to listen to a little bit longer one. So Brian, back to you. What is your last tap? Well, I want to, to annihilate the chronology of the episode and get to like some, some football stuff for this possible season. And it's the, really the core, the big sky quarterback situation in particular with transfers in and transfers out that I don't know if listeners uh, saw on Twitter. I, I did a thread about this last week or a week, a couple weeks ago, there are two returning starting quarterbacks in the big sky in Eric Barrier at Eastern Washington and Davis Alexander at Portland state. Um, big news is Kevin Thompson from Sac state transferred to UW. Uh, Jake Constantine transferred out from Weber state to Towson, but that's not really a, a big deal. Cause Jake Constantine wasn't anything in particular. Uh, he was particularly special. We have no idea if he even would have started this year, but there's a huge number of starting of new starting quarterbacks coming and a ton of them came with FBS backgrounds. So I'm do you guys have anyone, you know, we have a list we can go through, but um, which we'll go, we can go over some of the names, but any, any guys on our, any of the FBS transfers that you guys see to other big sky schools? I mean, we have Mike Beaudry from UConn, but any of the other quarterbacks you guys are interested in seeing or excited about for the season? Um, I mean, I know I there's a couple, right? Like you brought up the guys going out, kind of hit or miss there on both of them, right? Matt McKay, I think, is probably the guy to spend a lot of attention to. He's an NC State transfer uh, coming to Montana State because I do believe that Montana State was a quarterback away from being a possibly finalist team, honestly, last year. I don't think they would have. Obviously, you can see the game they played against North Dakota State. I don't think they would have beat North Dakota State. Um, Graduate. I'm sorry. I just completely. Well, redshirt. Did Troy Anderson? Oh, Troy Anderson yeah. is still there. Yeah, he's yeah, redshirting. So- he got hurt at the end of last year where he was trying to come back. He decided to get elective surgery to just repair it totally, and he's going to use his redshirt, and he'll be back as a redshirt junior next year, I believe. So great. Good news. Yeah. So, but he'll be back. I think COVID the older of that time is to get him. Down. Yeah, and I think it's to get him back at linebacker, but. Um, yeah, I, I think Matt McKay is the interesting one. He reminds me a lot of kind of what they try to do with Chris Murray. Uh, that's what I think it will go to. But that being said, they had a lot of success over Tucker Rovick at the end. He's by no means a guaranteed starter. Uh, Hunter Rackett's an interesting one because he's going to Cal Poly. So that's a guy who's going from the Fresno State kind of aired out system, coming into Cal Poly, maybe help smooth over that transition from a triple option team to a spread it out, uh, running gun type uh, offense that Bo Baldwin's going to try to run down in San Luis Obispo. Um, Everybody else, in my opinion, Randall Johnson, I think, once again, Weaver State addition by subtraction. Not sure he'll be much better, but he can't be much worse than Jake Constantine. Once again, another Bronco that's flamed out somewhere else. Uh, and I do expect Cam Humphreys, another Bronco who's flamed out and done nothing else to lose the Montana job to uh, their transfer in from University of South Florida. What's his name? Rigel. So, I don't know. 
I, I think Matt McKay's got to watch. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Racket, but much like Kevin Thompson, really late in the process. And it's already a weird year to get a playbook like over Zoom, like how we're doing podcasts. So uh, I can't imagine trying to learn. I mean, I know at some point he's reading through it, but not being able to like work with guys, and they could be, I get that, you know, breaking the rules, but that's how we don't end up with a college football season at all. So hopefully they're not doing that. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think Matt McKay is the guy to watch and Mike Beaudry, obviously, um, for Idaho. So I'm glad we're on the probably guys to watch list compared to some guys that are just going to kind of come in and who knows, they might not even win the starting job. Like, I'm not sure that Hunter Rackett will beat out Jalen Hamler. I think he, Hamler might impress the people, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I think for me the one that just sticks out the most is uh, Kirk Reigel, um from South Florida to Montana because you know I, I didn't catch too much Montana football last year, but I was in I was on the sidelines in Missoula um, for our game against against the Grizz and Dalton Steen was the difference maker um, for that team and how that offense clicked. Um, so I'll be really interested to see how that transition works from a non Dalton Snead era quarterback, maybe to a transfer, maybe to a guy who's already there, who knows? Um, but you know, I, I know, you know, for us, our, our biggest issue was having two healthy quarterbacks. We could not seem to have two healthy quarterbacks the last two years in our interview with Mason kind of, he talked about how he played the whole Montana state game in 18 with a whole separated shoulder. Colton couldn't play because he was concussed. So if we can say the quarterback position for us, that's going to be the biggest difference maker to bring us up um, and elevate us. So I'm interested to see how it affects someone like Montana who had pretty consistent quarterback play the last couple of years. What's going to do to that program? Yeah, the, the Kirk Reigel one is interesting. Bobby Houck has said Cam Humphrey should be thought of as the leader in the quarterback competition. But at this point, that's because he's been there. So it would be atypical for the guy who started some games last year and was pretty good until he played us to not be the, the, the QB one right now. Um, but to me, the, the a couple names, one, I really am interested in Hunter Rackett at Cal Poly. Uh, I, by the way, Idaho gave Hunter Rackett an offer. We're happy to have Mike Beaudry, but he, it'll be, I want to see how Hunter Rackett does at Cal Poly because it'll also just be one of those things where we can say, Hey, he, you could have had an Idaho jersey and the whole, you know, uh, year one Bo Baldwin at Cal Poly transition. I'm curious about whether Jalen Hamler is even going to stay as a quarterback uh, because I know when I saw the I, Idaho play Cal Poly, uh, Jalen Hamler certainly did not impress. And Hunter Rackett apparently was quite good at the junior college level. Another name that could, that really could matter to me. Uh, to the big sky is if Matt struck is not throwing a thousand touchdowns to the other team for Idaho state. Uh, and a guy like Van, uh, Vander wall is a guy's name. He transferred to Idaho state from Wyoming. What a name. Okay. goes yeah. first team, big sky, all name. All name. First, team. first team, big sky, all name. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Vander wall. But I mean, Idaho state, looked okay they looked solid early in the season and then they had a like eight week come apart of you know getting killed uh like i think we broke idaho state in our homecoming game i picked that fucking fantasy too that was rough yeah but (laughs) idaho state to me they're not southern utah and northern colorado uh they're they're they have some talent to work with so if they 
if Vander Wall can be look if if they again if they're not shooting this, themselves in the foot throwing pick sixes. I mean seriously, Matt Strzok gave up like six or eight in between six and eight touchdowns on his own through fumbles returned for touchdowns and interceptions returned for touchdowns. You know, you, you subtract that out of them, there they would finish with a record similar to what we had last season. Um, so I think that's a. I think I, uh, Vanderwall, Idaho State, is a guy to watch. Um, and again, I'm going to say Randall Johnson is a little bit more exciting to me because if Weber State can, if they can, now I, I'm not convinced Weber State will ever like schematically have an interesting, complex, difficult offense to work with. But if Weber State can now pass to their like they have Rashid Shahid's one of the fastest guys in the league provide he can play out. He, he was hurt. He got hurt in their playoff game, but if Rashid Shahid can now have a guy who can actually get him the ball, um, you know, Weber state would have to be your presumptive champion this far out. Yeah. Mr. Boatman, would you like to pick one more tap? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do like a 1A and a 1B uh shout out first uh you know no Cole Richardson this year. Uh, that kind of got announced while we were away and now we talked about more heavily on our season preview that we'll do probably here in a couple weeks. Um but so now uh three person, four person, five person quarterback group however you want to look at it. Um so we'll see, you know, things I've heard Mike Bodry sounds good so far from what I've heard. We'll talk about that soon. But I want to talk about the beautiful wood and concrete structure built on the north side of the Kibbe Dome. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we finally have a structure of an arena that has been planned since the 70s when the dome was first built. Yes, I have seen architectural plans from the 70s that had an arena built on the north side of the dome. That, that land was left there for. No one did anything. The dome worked fine. Cowan Spectrum Memorial Gym worked fine. We were finally going to have a first-class basketball arena to recruit to to house people in. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it looks beautiful and more beautiful every day. Um, you know, there was hiccups along the way with how funding went. Um, I know people were upset with, with a good old chuckle statement on, you know, how things were being funded and where money was going and why costs kept rising. But at the end of the day, the ITCU arena, also a good name. We keep Idaho in the name. Um, you know, I'm proud of, of our university and our development teams to build a $50 million arena while Eastern Washington, 100 miles north of us, is struggling to build a $25 million football stadium that was given a $5 million pledge off the bat, and they've only raised 500000 since then, and that happened last it's September. Two national championships in the last 10 years. Yeah, so um, – you know, we, we we're on the right track. We're on the right path. And I'm not saying that this is going to, you know, lead to great success, but I do want to point out when we tried to join the mountain West, all those couple, you know, however long ago that was, God, I guess eight years ago. Now, the biggest thing that came back to us is that we don't have a basketball arena. That was the biggest thing that was actually hurt our bid to join the mountain West. Now the size of our football stadium is that we didn't have it designated basketball arena so all i'm saying i'm not saying we're going to now miraculously join another conference and move back up i'm just saying all this does is help idaho athletics every sport every student athlete move forward and put us in a better position to succeed years down the road so hats off um to building that basketball arena i will be there whenever it opens fall oh, yeah. 21 i'll probably buy next 
season tickets for it just I mean, to it, say thank you. I'm just, as soon as it's half mostly oh, done, I'm going to try and sneak in there. I still know enough people to get me in there, and I can't wait to sneak in there next uh, this time next year probably because I think it should be complete fall, yeah. August of 21. Yeah. So At least walkable, in. right? Uh, there might be yeah. on some game day stuff. but uh, Yeah, so yeah. I'm excited. Was it yeah, Mahmoud who, in our interview, talked about how one of the big deals for, with the ICCU when that's done is the men's and women's team didn't have that many courts during the season that they could use for practice? You know, because yeah. like they, you, when the Kibbe Dome is the Kibbe Dome and not the Cowan Spectrum, there is not basketball being played there. So you have the Mem Gym and the PEB facilities or what they had, yep. and volleyball also practiced as well there you know on uh and mem gym or heading into when basketball season would be because basketball season you know at some places we we used to do this but a lot of places do their midnight madness where midnight on the day practice is allowed to start they have a big you know they have a big event like gonzaga does a midnight madness um idaho is now going to have a few more courts uh, which is going to be – it's just going to make the, uh, some of the basketball stuff a lot easier uh, for both men's and women's teams. I really think if you guys are curious at all about what this is supposed to look like, just Google ICCU Arena and check out some of the artist renderings. Uh, the place looks like it could be gorgeous. And, you know, it's got it's going to have some resources for the student-athletes for basketball they just haven't had in forever, and that's men's and women's basketball. We'll have resources they have not had forever. And by the way, women's basketball is – doing quite well with the limited facilities they had to begin with. So I'm obviously I want men's team to do better. I'm a huge men's basketball fan, but now our women are going to have like the best facility in the big sky. I think this is, I know this is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm in, I'm hitting the year on a stride here. I'm going to try to take the, how do you say this? I don't want to say the picky approach, but like the uh, if I if I had to point one thing out that's kind of been bothering me about it recently because I've been watching the live stream, I've been stoked about it like everybody else. But now that it's coming to fruition, starting to nitpick some things a bit. That's the word I was looking for. Nitpick. <laughs> Why is it at the front of the parking lot? I maybe there's plans. I just haven't seen it of what the whole back is going to be. But there's like a good fifty yards of grass. Is that going yeah. to be where the president's tank gets moved, or was it just with the, how the law building's piping or something ran? We couldn't something like you scoot it back, put more parking in, like make BSF lot or University Club right there for football. You add to that whole little tailgate space right there, connects to the law lot well, and you kind of get a really good flow for tailgating, football wise. <laughs> And then basketball, I mean, you get good parking for, you know, your handicap and university club and stuff like that again, or big events, tour bus space, everything like that. Like, I just wonder, I'd like to hear the reasoning. And I wish I would have thought of this when we had mood, and I'm sure he doesn't know because he's not the guy who got the arena off the ground. He's just in charge of the BSF. But, like, why not scoot it 50 yards back and just give us – because that year they had the RV lot there. That was sick. Yeah, I mean, maybe they make parking behind. I don't know. Um, that's a question. I'm going to write that down. Uh, I'll make sure to, to ask, them, ask some people. Um, right, because that's kind of now you think about it. Yeah, now that I think about it, and also um, the Dome is still going to have every single student-athlete facility in their weight room, nutrition center, yeah. learning center. 
So that's um, training for that. Because so, all the basketball know, offices would be their locker rooms are going to have they're going to have to walk. Probably, I don't know if they're going to keep their. I don't know what's going to happen with the coaches' offices and the and the locker room space in the dome. Is that going to get repurposed um, yeah. away from men basketball? Because the way the locker rooms work, there's a big common area for men's track, men's basketball, and football. There's a common area that we all share the same bathroom and share the same like uh, equipment facility um, door, but then we all have our own separate lockers. What's our own separate lockers with our own separate keypad entrance? What's going to happen um, to the basketball one? I mean, they have their little meeting room in there. They have a couch. They have TV. Is that going to get turned into a hangout spot for football? Because I kind of hope so because that's a recruiting tool that can be used um, help if they keep that are they just gonna have their game day locker rooms i don't know what's gonna happen but yeah i think there's some unanswered questions that uh you know when it comes to like little fine details yeah. i mean i think they're they're unanswered to us yeah. i don't think they're actually unanswered i just like the i would like to know the answer because yeah like i was probably the coaches offices are gonna be on that back side like wait because i know the original plan i saw which is why it made sense to me then was the north concourse of the Kibbe Dome and the south concourse of the basketball arena were going to be the same concourse. And so it was going to be connected. Yeah, and then they changed that. It would have been one facility. Yeah, Yeah. I think that was... But since we dug down into the whole lower bowl, the arena is basically subterranean, I think. Yeah. Um, The height of the dome to the basketball arena is going to be like... Substantial, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you can pull it off now without just a super weird bleacher that went way too high. But uh, I'm just thinking, like you brought coaches' offices now, like they would have been right in the back. Yeah, you still had to go outside, but you could have easily constructed a, a quick door there on the weight yeah. room and just boom, boom, right? So yeah. interesting. I mean, like I said, I'm sure there's an answer. And all that being said, still stoked. Still gonna go to more games than I've gone to since I graduated. Um, Probably in that first year alone. So all in all, well, just being it's nice gonna be fun to have the Cougs in there. That's what's yes. gonna be fun. Yeah, it's gonna be that's a must watch. I bet you you might be able to even get the Zags to come to play a game here in the future they with they that arena. They don't play anyone. They don't they don't even go to Wazoo anymore. They're yeah. they're 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 too they gotta go play North Carolina, those fake classes. <laughs> to, they're playing Eastern though, aren't they, in a couple of years? I mean not at Eastern, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're Maybe right. boys stay back up. Yeah, screw those guys. Anyway, <laughs> All right, you know what? We've we've done enough taps. I I will probably just make a joke about Boise State's Olympic sports if I get to pick a tap. So we will move on to an amazing new segment uh, that is kind of going to be replacing TJ's wing corner here. We um, added a little bit of a goofiness to our podcast, the transfer portal. And in the transfer portal today, thank you, tired vandal, for the idea. Chuck Staben in the transfer portal. Brian, this was your idea. Why don't you tell us about the transfer portal and and Chuckle Staben? Honestly, I, I just saw Tired Vandal had – there was an article about Chuck Staben being a finalist at University of Toledo. And I saw Tired Vandal post, Chuck is in the transfer portal. And – I pitched it as an idea and we just ripped it off. That was it. We completely stole it. We're going to keep it. Tired Vandal, thank you, but it's ours now. And Chuck Staben was temporarily. I mean, he, at the tailgate. He's like one of the guys who, let's say, he enters the transfer portal. We, we've heard stories about guys who didn't play entering the transfer portal. And, and you kind of wonder like, okay, well, 
where is this guy who played no minutes here? Where does like what's the power five offer the guy thinks he's going to have? And then they eventually exit the transfer portal or go somewhere else. Chuck Stan was in the transfer portal for Toledo. He was a finalist. And then he withdrew himself in consideration. So we were hoping he would find a place that he could go, um, you know, somewhere where we can be happy that he is. I don't know, not on the payroll. Um, he is someone else. You call it someone else's problem, call it whatever you want. Staben's still applying for those jobs. We thought we thought we had a good chance that maybe Toledo would take him off our hands, but um, didn't happen. So next time he's in the transfer portal, guys, we'll let you know. We'll keep, yeah. we'll make sure you know when he's a finalist. When we find out something's going on, you guys will know first. Almost ended up with that reject Big Sky program, North Dakota. Um, New Mexico, I think, at one point. Like, he's been the New Mexico one is kind of what got him not renewed. If you really look, yeah, he's he's been a big time flirter, he's a portal flirter for sure. He flirts with that portal. Um, It's kind of like when a guy declares, when a punter declares for the NFL draft year early and then doesn't get signed and then tries to go ask Herm Edwards to get back in there. State, but they've already hired some. They've already brought in another punter who's already a transfer. It's a really weird situation. It has happened. Look that up. But that's basically Chuck statement. a punter who declares too early for the NFL draft. Well, there you go. Our enter the transfer portal about Chuck Staben, the punter who entered the draft a year early and did not get drafted. All right, we're going to do some quick housekeeping before we get in the closing in the bar. You guys, thank you for tuning in to another season, year three. Bigger, better than ever. The team's getting better each year. Basketball, football, soccer, everybody's going to win ships this year. Just wait and see. A couple things we want to talk about. It's going to be too late by the time you hear this, but you might have saw, some of you, if you follow us on Twitter, we have been doing a collaboration with College Hill Custom Threads in Pullman, Washington. Um on some officially licensed university gear. So the first one we had up was Joe Van Zodic, Tiger King. Um, not going to lie, sales were not super solid, and we had to sell a certain amount. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But it might have just been with COVID and everything. I didn't think it was necessarily a good time to launch, but they either way – Hopefully we have some for every single rival this year. We'll see what happens with that. But we've got you know one coming out for Montana. We got one coming out for uh, Eastern. We got one coming out possibly for Montana State. We got one coming. Well, we just did Idaho State. We'll probably do one for the Riverside Tech down south. Um, and then maybe a good poke fun at ourselves or the state or whoever we're just angry at this year for whatever. Um, so hopefully we got a partnership that will hopefully continue with those guys. Uh, also this year. Once again, we'll never put up a paywall to like be a thing for keeping tubs at the club, you know, in your ears, on your screens, however you consume us. But one thing we just want to introduce is a Patreon just because it does cost money to run this. And believe it or not, selling apparel doesn't exactly keep the bills on. And Montucky doesn't necessarily keep the bills on for us either. Um, so this is all totally optional. None of it's needed. Uh, but we have five tiers we're introducing this year on our Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash tubs of the club for one dollar you're going to be joining the can token that's going to just be general support that's just you saying like you're saying i will pay one dollar a month to just say thank you and you know we appreciate that uh for 250 a month you're gonna get a well token at this level you're basically getting the same thing Uh, and all these are kind of still a little bit in tweaks but they'll be basically the same thing um 
one thing we're adding with this is we're going to start a Facebook group. Um, and with this 250 pledge a month, we're going to have a Facebook group of just vandals. And at least the 250 hopefully gets less, you know, the annoying, just kind of like trying to get at you people, maybe less Broncos or at least supportive Broncos, Grizz, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of what that's about. It's not a lot, but it's enough to help keep hosting and everything and our streaming service now running uh, $5 a month premium drink token, same things basically. Um, but like get live Q and A's possibly get up, you get you on a couple episodes if you'd like um, stuff like that at $10 a month, you're getting a tub token, tub token. You're getting general support. You're going to get a shout out on like every single episode or be listed in the description. Same thing, private, uh, uh, invite, um, we get a call with a team member. So for 110 bucks a month, at one point you can have a call with any of us and we can talk about whatever you want. Don't know if you want to do that. You don't have to do it, but I figured it got to give you something a little bit more. And the one that I understand is a really big ask, but that's 1948. Uh, that would be the year that the Corner Club was founded. So that's $19.48 a year. Um, with that, you're getting everything. Uh, you're going to get a free piece of merch of your choice. We'll cover it for you, um, including – You'll get a special limited edition. Think of the Corner Club drinking team jerseys. It will say you're going to get like a club number. There's going to be a new one every year. So basically, you're just almost paying for uh, a, a nice jersey that says, I support Tubs of the Club. Here I am. I limited edition, new one each year. It should be cool. Um, but check that out. That's patreon.com slash Tubs of the Club. Like I said, you don't need to do it. It's just something if you want to help us out. We're providing you some options to do it, and hopefully some people will because, as you can tell, we've up quality. We've up ways you can consume us, and that stuff costs money. Um, but luckily, we all are in a position where we can keep it going even if nobody ever signs up. But we hope you will. Um, closing the bar after that boring little rant. Um Make sure you follow at Big Sky Podcast on Twitter to get all the BSPN followings because uh, around the Big Sky or what do we call it? Big Sky Big Takes will be coming out shortly. We're coming up on that season. We're also planning out some other show ideas this year. Have anything, always feel free to tweet at us at Big Sky Podcasts um, with any of your show ideas, but that will be fun. We're also going to be participating in the Big Sky virtual kickoff. Uh, we submitted 102 questions today to the Big Sky to ask. You can do it too with hashtag ask Petrino and hashtag ask Christian. That's vandal specific ones or the specific hashtags for each other school. You can find that out at the big skies website. Uh, we will also, the big sky podcast network will be hosting a watch along on probably tubs of the clubs. We haven't really figured that out, but we're the only ones running a YouTube channel right now uh, where you can throughout the day uh, pop in, watch on Pluto TV, the virtual big sky media days and Hang out with whoever from the Big Sky Podcast Network happens to be watching as well. Uh, we can have up to 10 of us on at a time. You can bounce live questions off. So there's something to do, once again, free. If you just want our input on what's being said at these things, it's something we're offering. So just be aware of that. Uh, the schedule for us the rest of the way out on 723 will be our live where we start going live on YouTube on Tuesdays, like we were doing at the end of last year, or at least in the off season for some of you. Um, so on the 21st will be our FCS preview. That will be live on the 23rd will be the podcast. So if you listen on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of those, that's where you'll be able to find it. Audio version eight, six is going to be the big sky preview. We're getting guests for both FCS preview and big sky preview. They're yet to be named. We've got some stuff we're trying to finalize, but the, uh, 
they might be people you've heard of. They might be people you're not, but they're people we think will add great value. Um, on 827, you're going to get our Idaho preview. That's a fun one we do every year where we have the whole team on. We go through the whole roster, and then we'll take some sound bouts and play them at the end of the year about how ridiculous uh, some of the things we said at the beginning of the year were. Nine, three, fingers crossed. We have a week one preview. We'll be breaking down Western Oregon. And hopefully Idaho State plays week zero, so an Idaho State loss. Um, but hopefully bi-weekly from this point out. Then on 9-3, we'll be weekly like we are every year. Once again, we want to thank Montucky for making this year happen. Um, we want to thank a new partner in Hughes River Expeditions for doing some ads with us for this first little bit. And anybody else that's interested, let us know. Um, Guys, anything you want to leave the podcast with before it's time for the best band in all the land, Santa of Idaho to play us out. Um, just saw some news come across. Uh, Washington Ooh. High School Athletics is not allowing football practice or any fall sports practice to begin until September 7th. It's high school, but we'll see how that trickles down um, or trickles up, I guess, to yeah. our level. Just some news. We'll see how that turns out. What a down way to end the podcast. But with that, what is yeah. on an upper with the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho. Play it out. We'll see you in two weeks. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.